0: My good friend, Bruce, I haven't seen you since you left for California from Bucks County. I miss you, dude. How are you? I appreciate you being on. I feel like I've seen you since then, right? Maybe no. once. I think it was at a show that you came by the, um, the TLA. No, I, I couldn't go to that show. I couldn't go to that show.
1: Thanks, George. No.
0: <laughs> Wait, what? I'm sorry. That kind of delayed a little bit.
1: Came and played Philly a couple times.
0: A couple times, I know. I'm trying to like get involved with <laughs> my my musical business too, so it's just like I don't know. I have I try to fit around uh, the times and such. And uh, but you frequently come to Pennsylvania so every so often for family and such.
1: Um, my parents moved to Maryland, so I, I don't come back to <clears throat> PA as much. But and obviously, right now I'm too scared to fly. Yeah, so. I don't blame you. Um,
0: with the pandemic, everything that's going on, it's extremely uh, scary that it seems like it's not going to end in a, in a, in a short period of time. It seems like it's going to continue, especially for our industry. They're talking about not playing shows until 2021. So
1: I, how do you feel they, about that? I think it depends where you're at. Um, wait, is that, they said Bruce is slow again. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm slow. Uh, I'll just keep talking until somebody tells me to shut up. But, uh, the I've I've heard that a lot of places are going to do like half capacity, like no more than two hundred, two fifty. It's still like, but like, what has changed? I don't know. I think that's the scary thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, true. As much as like, I wish I could be playing shows. I also don't want like a million people, you know, getting sick across the country mm-hmm. just because the show and it spread super quick. And then I don't know.
0: We've been taking the right precautions. I mean, just staying at a safe distance, staying at the the stay-at-home order. I mean, there's nothing else you can really do until we just wait it out. And unfortunately, we're trying our best to make everybody feel comfortable in this, you know, unprecedented time that we live in. With everything going on, it seems like there's a lot going on, Um, especially, you know, with the current events with George Floyd. Uh, What a fucking tragedy that is. Excuse me for my language. It just disgusts me how, um, you know, the privileged conversation is still kind of ignored for um, uh, Caucasians such as you and I, as well as others. That it's like it's not there. Which to me and a lot of other people, it is there and it's being brought to you know the light, thankfully. Because this is this has got to stop. Sometimes. What so. do you mean? What's not there? Um, oh, people that uh, talk about not that there's not a privilege for Caucasians.
1: Oh, um, oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Their opinion that, on it is ridiculous, but they don't think I'm, it's there. It's like something to, I think this is the biggest eye opener of the fact that if you and I are getting stopped for a taillight being out or like I got pulled over two months ago, it was like during the, like it was maybe a month into um, uh, lockdown. I got pulled over and I had an expired sticker and um the cop came over and people i was with were not being sassy to the cop but they were like shouldn't you be wearing gloves like why are you th-? and i was like because he was just like handling all my stuff and we were all scared you know because like one i mean it's a cop two mm-hmm. this guy's got to be like talking to a bunch of people he's touching all their stuff so they were like um why are you wearing gloves like kind of that was the question but if that's not saying white privilege like the fact that you can just say that to a cop and had any of us been black i think it would have been way more scary i mean i in the driver's seat was like i looked at them like shut up like what are you doing (laughs) like and and i'm white So, Mm so it's i think that's the scary thing to think about like how many people are in those situations of just like scared for their life like if i make the wrong move like how many times like somebody went for their wallet like get your wallet they go for the wallet and then they unload around because of what you know i don't know it's 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 it hurts like i go to bed reading twitter i wake up reading twitter And just seeing videos and stuff over and over and i don't know it just sucks man it it fucking sucks i feel i feel so bad and i like want to do anything i can and it's just like I, i i'm just i guess this feels like like this has been going on forever and there are a lot of people acting like that this is like a one instant thing it's just now like there was a quote from will smith that was like um racism isn't new it's just being filmed or something like that I, I, i'm i'm paraphrasing Jeff, oh but that's the truth it's like now it's like you can't hide from it and hearing about cops turning off their body cams and stuff because do we got to do turn your body cams off like and then it's like everybody keep filming like it's just like fucking oh my god it's so scary we have to police the police now
0: like we're basically now a somewhat of a third party authority
1: to all this and and I will say it does suck. Like, uh, I don't know if you know Mike Fishkin from Adobe Radio, Fish.
0: Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. I'm, I'm no of him, yeah.
1: Yeah, he has a great show, Gone Fishkin, and um, his dad was a cop. And he, like, put a tweet out, too, and his dad had 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 died. And um, it's just, like, for somebody like him, it, it fucking suck. It's, like, dude, my dad was a cop, and, like, he wore that badge of honor. And there's these crooked cops that are now, like, everybody's, like, fuck the police, all of them, fuck all of them. And it just sucks because there are, like, obviously people need to speak up. Good mm-hmm. cops need to speak up. But the the whole system is so fucked that it's like, we need a fucking reset. And if that's burning buildings down, because not, like, everybody's, like, rioting and fucking up your own community doesn't do any good. It got a guy finally arrested. If, if nobody was burning down buildings, that would have been like, nothing would have happened. So it's like, okay, now we gotta be burning this shit down to go hello like we've been trying to fucking tell you this shit i don't know i get really heated about it but me um, too
0: um and it's okay and you're allowed to because i'm starting to like get a little upset and shaky because i fear for a lot of my friends who are black and they they just you know they man female whatever like they they're they're in a, they're in a, this has been going on for centuries and it's just something that hasn't changed Hopefully we can get some kind of solution to where we can resolve this. But my biggest thing is that this scumbag literally had all the intention of doing this. He's and the facts are starting to come out that they've worked together in a nightclub uh, yeah, for over a century, basically. Um, and I don't mean to cut off, cut you off, but I feel like if we yeah. do one on one talk, I think that's where the audience kind of. But I'm just saying that for being blunt. Little um. little. <laughs> And then it starts going. Um right. Yeah. And, you know, it took four days to arrest him after the rioting. I I, yeah. I have a problem with that. One, because of the fact that um it should have been sooner. Two, I still think they're doing it for his protection. Not only for him, but for his family. Obviously, his wife. You know, oh, 100%. <laughs> like they easily did that. Like his wife is already filing for divorce. But like, like I, I, she's doing the right thing. I don't know. Like, it's just. It's not enough. And we're not going to actually have a conclusion to all this until he gets tried. Um, he gets put away for life. If not worse. I don't know if that state has a death penalty. I'm not huge up in law with Minnesota up to date with it. It it's thank God that everybody's speaking out about this because this is not a political thing. This is an inhumane thing and something needs to change
1: now. That's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And there's all these fucking people and you know, Fuck them because they're too afraid to speak out because of what it might do for ticket sales, what it might do for their followers or for this or for that. And you're so right. It's not political. It's not going to fuck up your brand deals. It's not going to fuck up your tickets whatever it is. Just fucking you have a platform that if like you watch it, even somebody like whoever it is, like even Joe Rogan talking about on his podcast and diving in and talking about it. How many people are going to go like, all right, well, Joe Rogan saying that maybe it's true. Like, maybe I should maybe like flip the way I'm thinking or pay a little bit more attention or sign this thing or do this thing. Like, it's just just say something, do something about it, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's it's if I'm being honest, like. I am. It like I'm going to get emotional right now, but like it's me because. I have two nephews. My brother's wife's black and they're mixed and they have black features. So because they're going to be walking down the street or doing something or get pulled over, they're going to get fucking shot for what? Because how they look like that, like I run that over in my head over and over. And I'm like, if you don't say anything or do anything, what what are you going to do? Sit them down and go like, I was silent. I didn't say shit. And it's like, I just wish I just want everybody to feel that same feeling. Like you're just sitting back if you're not doing anything or saying anything. Like you see these protests where there's guys fucking kicking cops over, white guys. Like there's so many, so many actions that are happening that to say we don't have a like and privilege has become this such like like a like a dirty word. But it's like We have the ability, if you want to say ability instead of privilege, Mm -hmm. the ability to stand up to cops and to say stuff. And yeah, we may get shit for it, but I guarantee there's way more of a chance that if we weren't white, we would be reprimanded immediately for even saying anything. So if we have the ability to even just step up and say something or be like, yo, that's not fucking right. And it's like, I don't know. Why can't you just, just certain
0: people that can't understand this concept, why can't you just, like, be the devil's advocate and just be in their shoes for, like, 10 seconds? You know what I mean? (laughs) And I like, and I like, and I don't know if people watch the show, but Always Sunny in Philadelphia actually kind of did that in a way where, I think it was a dream, and they actually became, like, African American. And it was hilarious, but it showed the true side of racism and the uh, stereotype that has been brought up for ages and hopefully it just stops sometime soon we just wake the fuck up and like do something and we're doing something right now obviously the protests are saying a lot uh with how angry everybody is and how you know the white privilege is still you know running rampant throughout the country and hopefully hopefully something can be done i'm 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 not sure but the best it's great that you have a platform to speak about it and i've seen some comedians like some of my personal favorites that come up and have said um, certain things that like they're bringing into the light, so that's good. So everybody's starting to really just like
1: you know But come there's out. still a lot that aren't. That and is true. Problem is that it it is one of my favorite comedians. Like not you you go through his likes, nothing. It's just ignored, and it's like some of my favorite people, like even like Andrew Santino. He's like always joking, like. He's a comedian. He jokes about a lot of racial stuff. He's posting about it. He's tweeting about it. He's liking stuff. He's posting like he knows he's like, this is a big deal. We need to be doing something about this. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect example of somebody that will take comedy and go like, hey, like I don't agree. And maybe this is a sensitive topic. I I think cancel culture is really toxic. It's no room for change. If you said something once, you're a horrible person. I'm there's a gray area in between that if you fucked up, apologize for it, then give that person the ability to grow and move from that. I'm 100 percent, especially in standup up and stand up comedy, because a lot of people make jokes. And the, usually the butt of the joke is making fun of racist people. But then people are like, but you said the word or you quoted them, even though just because you said that word, you're bad. And it's like, we have to find the gray. And there's just I don't know. Yeah, Let's get it. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just like fed up with so much stuff. And like, I think I've just not said anything about any of it. And I feel horrible right now. So I think that's why everything's like just spewing out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know.
0: No, that's great though. And I mean, you've already said enough and you're already, you know, putting it onto social media. Um, and all we can do is just keep talking about it and just keep bringing it up and keep bringing it up and just, you know, give everybody that understanding that this is a problem. It needs to change. We need to find a solution. That's it. Bottom line. I'm I'm fucking tired of this, dude. Like, I have literally friends who are just petrified for just being a human being for the color of the skin. I'm sick yep. and tired of it. I really am. And it sucks. And this uh, this also like correlates to mental health. Like, imagine like being in their shoes and you know just like they're not their voices aren't being heard. And these protests, you know, that it's it, apparently these protests for you know the Black Lives Matter movement, which I t- fully support. It's like no protest is right. And it's like like even you know when football players do it um, when celebrities do it uh, it's just like what what is right and what is wrong I don't right. I don't understand So I hope that we can take a lot from this and do as much good as we can to prevent this from happening and the, the way the, what I've been trying to preach for the longest time is if it happens in the present someone needs to say something like to anything to anything that's rude, um disrespectful sexist um to anything that's um racial like racial like if it's happening in the present you need to speak up right then and there because if you're if you don't and it doesn't have to be the whole room but it needs to be uh, somebody needs to say something because that's 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 the problem right there nobody's speaking up
1: right
0: especially at concerts when i mean unfortunately when you're I told this story in the podcast recently where if you're like a young teenager, you want to go crowd surfing, people get a little gropey and someone saw it and they punched in the back of the head. And I was really, you know, I I felt good about that, but
1: it happens so much. There's so many videos online. It's like blah, blah, singer calls out like, you know, whatever. And it's like, yo, that's a teenage girl. You're groping her. You fucking pieces of shit. Like find that guy, do whatever. Like warp tour. How many times have we gone to Warp tour? And you look and like, over and you go like that and then you just see hands reaching up it's like mm-hmm. oh no dude
0: it's just it's gotta stop it's gotta fucking stop man like i'm i'm sick of it i'm tired of it i'm glad we can like openly talk about this because it's extremely healthy to do so you can't um it's it's okay to talk about mental health it's okay to talk about um things that um are true but are extremely upsetting that can make you feel in like a really really dark place it's okay like i it, it sucks when i see people that can't um have the courage to do so and you know i i wish them you know full and uh of, of i'm sorry start, i'm starting to get emotional i'm sorry i'm starting to ch- choke up a little bit but to understand that it's okay to talk to somebody about what it is um that you're going through mm-hmm. it's crazy now um With mental health being said, I was really stoked for you because you and I are both a huge advocate for it. You were on the 320 Festival, which was amazing. Um, I talked to Kevin Lyon about it on the podcast because it's such a good cause. And when Chester Bennington committed suicide, um, he was a hero to hundreds of millions of people, including myself. And when we were on Warped Tour um, with Poeta, that's how we know each other. If anybody's a little confused, you produce our debut album and it sounds fantastic. Um, the first day we played to a huge crowd, and like it was so, f- we had the best time in the world, man. It was just like the stars aligned. And then as soon as we got off the stage, we got that news that um, Chester Bennington committed suicide, and we everything just came to a halt. Like th- that was the main focus, focus, and everybody was extremely uh, disheartened and sad. And that everybody was helping everybody get through it. Um, which was great. But one of my heroes, you know, and, and to is so brave and she's so courageous for everything that she's doing, but I'm a huge advocate for it. And I, how did you get on that festival? Did you reach out? Did they reach out to you? Because I was super stoked for you, man. Like that's something that's right up your alley.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. It was, uh, actually through, I don't know if you know, Jordan Lawrence. Um, he sounds familiar. familiar. He fucking, he's killing it right now, man. He's a, he works for capital records for a bit and we were working. Oh, that's street. right. Um, he's, he's helped me out with a lot of things. So he's like, I, he got in touch with them and got me on the bill, which was great. And it was amazing. And then that led to not only, I mean, obviously the, the festival moved to online, but it was not only really cool to be a part of that and, and do that, but then I was introduced um, to these people, it's called happy and they go back like, happy, the movement. And um, it's, essentially a, an in-between of um, it's not therapy. It's not a suicide hotline. It's like in the middle. So if you just need to vent, get some stuff off your chest or 24 seven, you can text, you can call your first calls free. And then I think it's like $17 an hour, um, which is maybe a little bit of money, but even if you need to talk for like five, 10 minutes, you know, it's nice to, to have that option. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got involved with them through that. And it was just like, it means the world to me. This is like everything like dude, I, I'm being honest. Like I spent the past two months, mu- I spent the last year, but r- really the past two months, like everything was just so amplified right now. And it's like, what is my purpose? Like, what, what do I want to like leave on this world? Like, what do I want? And the Chester Bennington thing was the biggest wake up call for me. I'm probably for a lot of musicians or anybody chasing that where it went, he had everything, he had a family, he had this, he had that. Like you see that picture, like it's heartbreaking to see the picture. He's in an arena and he's front row and you see all the lights up, dude, fucking it's so moving. And it wasn't enough for him. And I have like left, I've like got done tours. I've got done shows. I've got done stuff. And been like, I'm not happy. Like what, what is going on? Like what is wrong here? And then, uh, I'm trying to be as open as possible about everything because I'm just trying to destigmatize and I have my own insecurities with all of it. But uh, I've been in therapy and then on Thursday, I told him, I was like, every day, if not every other day, I'm depressed and I don't know what to do. And I feel like nothing is helping. And we had the conversation of maybe we should try antidepressants. And that's now a journey that it gave me hope. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just sucks to get to a place where you feel like there's no hope. And then it's like, well, you know what? Maybe I should try this because I've thought about this for the past 15 years. And maybe it's time to to look into it, at least try. And I decided I was like, ask for help. Just reach out to people. And I talked to a, a friend of mine and she said she's been on antidepressants for 10 years and it saved her life so i was like okay well if she feels that way and she's like this amazing person like maybe it's worth it maybe i should look into this and so i've been like doing the research for that and i'm saying all this just because i know there's got to be a lot of people that feel the exact same way and they think i can't talk to therapy because i'm crazy i can't go on antidepressants because now i'm bipolar or i'm chemically imbalanced but the truth is, like, we can't help the way we feel. Like, unfortunately, exactly. it's not cold that just goes away. If You know what? Like, don't take any medicine. It'll just go away. Like, depression for me is, like, it's the, the biggest thing that I had to understand is that this isn't, like, something that magically goes away when you just ignore it. And I was chasing stuff over and over. And then I was in a great relationship, and it wasn't enough. Then I was doing tours. It wasn't enough. It was, like, what, what do I want here, man? And then it's, like just to get to a place where a professional for me was telling me this could help and we can do low doses. We can try and see what works for you. And then I asked to a friend, well, what do you take? You know? And it's just like getting just more of an understanding that alone made me feel better. Like I haven't taken one yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't even a psychotherapist yet, but I already feel better knowing that there is an avenue I can go down and it feels good to admit it because I've been like denying, it for years Mm -hmm. that like and that's why i posted that quote the other day because it's like i'd rather accept that i'm just sad than like fear like oh no what if i go into that place again because it gets dark Mm -hmm. and i don't want to feel that right now Mm -hmm. and it's like if i can just accept you know what you're sad right now it's okay just be sad turn off the computer walk away put twitter away you don't need to create you don't need to write right now and especially as creatives like when we get in these ruts dude it's just it fucking it sucks because it's guilt and it's like how many people wish they could be working right now i should be producing this song and i'm like i don't i don't want to do it i don't want to fucking do it and it's just been so hard and i've felt so much better the past couple days just from that conversation i had with my therapist and it's been the first time that that good feeling is carried over from day to day and i'm like oh this feels so much better just to like know that, like, there is an option. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, there is another, like, there is a fork in the road. Like, this isn't just one long highway. Like, you're going to be able to have options and go onto different streets. I'm using this as a metaphor, but you're able to go onto different streets and such and, you know, choose what can benefit you um, physically, emotionally, uh, personally. um, And I, I still, you know, I still try to preach, like, just for people who don't have that that courage that, that you, you should start reaching out to someone. I mean, I haven't seen my therapist in a very long time because of the fact that I don't really have insurance for my job. But, I mean, I do talk to a lot of people that – not they don't give me opinions. They just kind of let me talk and they listen and they let me – we go back and forth through conversation. And I kind of can relate in some ways, obviously not to a T, with the depression. It does happen because I, I would – depression for me would happen when um, sometimes at like – my happiest moments when i was in like i like like you said i had a really great relationship for quite some time and i let my depression kind of come of the way um and it like it's something that i didn't acknowledge until it hit me when the relationship was over and i was like fuck man like this is this is real but i am learning from that currently um and it's okay. It's, it's it's really okay to to feel that way. And I don't want people to think that it's not at all. And with, you know, certain things in your life, I mean, did you feel um, depressed when you were like, say at your peak, like when like you were released like Malicious or I don't know, or everybody dies and you feel so good about that music and then, or when you guys, when you and Carly were dating at one point, like, did you did you have those days where depression would kick in just out of nowhere?
1: the whole time and for me it's like the i've been like getting really really close to my parents now more than ever because we're like openly talking about it and that's like huge for me and it's the understanding that i think a lot of people need to 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 get is that when you're depressed and like suffer from depression like long term and not just like like every like a lot of people go through sad times, especially breakups, especially, you know, when things go wrong, even like for, you know, people not getting into a school or these things like there can there can be moments that kind of like solidify it for me. I don't know if it's self-esteem, insecurity. There's something that's like it's carried on since I was a teenager and it's you find a way to mask it. So I'll never show you. You know what I mean? I, like, I feel you're you 100 percent. You're writing a lot of sad stuff. And then I'm like, I'm emo. (laughs) And then I realized I was like, why am I making a joke about that? And then I was like, even with some of the songs that I was writing, where um, there's a song I wrote called Bulletproof. And forever, like since I've been touring, that's my opening song because it's like a super hype song and it's been a fan favorite. And everyone's like, "Where's, where's Bulletproof? And I was like, I don't know, maybe one day I'll do it. And if I'm being honest, it's like, I don't believe that song. And it's like, it's some real shit, because the chorus is, I know that I'm bulletproof. And I'm like, that's a fucking lie. I'm trying to say something that I want to feel, and I don't feel it. And it's like, hard to admit that, you know? And it's like, it's tough. But what I'm understanding, and my point about like getting really close with my parents and talking to them about it, is that a lot of people don't understand depression because they relate it to sadness. And what I'm realizing is that like having the conversation with my mom about it, where she's like, when I get sad, I tell myself like, it's going to be okay. Like you're going to get out of it. And she pulls herself out when you're in depression. You're like, there's no hope. Nothing's going to get better. I'm in going to be in this darkness forever. There's no fucking light. This just happened. And it's not making me happy. So what nothing will. And it's like this, you you it's the darkest thoughts and there's like no glimmer of hope. And to try to explain to somebody who's never suffered depression that it's hard for them to understand. They're like, but just don't think about it. I have a song coming out with Scott and it's 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 like a we made a joke of it because they're like, Don't be sad anymore. It's like holy shit, that's it, I'm cured. Like it's like we made a joke because it's like you can't just fucking say don't be sad. You can't just say, Well, think about something else, you know. Go do this and distract yourself. It's like, but you, you, in your mind, you know it's going to come back to it. But the truth is, is like when you get out of it and you're like, holy shit, like why was I so dark in that thought? Like there is reasons to be happy. There is reasons of worth living. And, and then it's like, okay, how do I stay in this? And going back to that quote, and it was, it was something my therapist and I talked about. It's like, it's easier to, for me to accept that I'm going to be sad than to be like, oh no, what if I get to that dark place again? Like what's going to happen? It's like, you might you will. And that's fine. But just know that that's not it. That's not the end. And there are alternatives and ways to, to get through it. And that's what I'm trying to like figure out my fucking bulletproof before I put it out, I guess.
0: I'm totally trying to implement that uh, situation with seeing if there's other options. Um, I've never really thought about it like that until recently. Um, I have certain things that just really kind of just in my gut could not um, figure out like where, what do I do next kind of thing. Um, Um, So it's, it's great that um, we can have these types of outlets to try to resolve these problems. Um, It doesn't go away overnight. It's basically like a marathon. It's like a long-term thing um, to, I mean, nobody's ever completely healthy. Nobody's ever completely healed. There's always, um, there's always some kind of, uh, like little just um, little parts of you that you know it's you know it, it'll take time to heal but it, sometimes it's just it's like it's like leaving a scar you know what I mean it's like when you get scratched and if you if you run over a piece of glass or you run over a piece of glass with your foot it'll bleed it'll heal it'll scab it'll go away but it still leaves that scar so mm-hmm. it's it's never gonna go away ever um, it's just and, and I don't want I, I want to go back to Chester Bennington and this this, this kind of like frustrates me, because you and I relate as artists, um, uh, and we put a lot of passion to our music, and now, thankfully, I can actually say this, I am disgusted at the so-called fans of Lincoln Park, who would bash their new songs on social media. They are the same people who would say, like, I love you, Chester, I miss you, Chester, and um, it's not the same without you, blah, 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 whatever they say. But through writing their music, which is their own creation, which is basically something that they put so much heart and love and passion into and they release into the world for people to enjoy. And I remember seeing YouTube videos where the comments were so they were bombarded with negativity. Like, it's true that uh, us as, you know, entertainers or public figures, whoever you may be, artists, actors, you see so many great comments that make you feel great but as soon as you see that one comment that's negative it hits you it just hits you so hard that it's like oh, man like i i can't like i can't do this like i had a hard time just releasing um me just drumming videos covers like it i was like so fearful of the negative comments so i'm starting to get a little bit more confident with it but when these so-called fans so many negative comments, and I, I remember Chester was on a radio station, I don't know if it was X, somewhere on XM, but he said that, he's like, I don't know what the fan, I don't know what to do, like, the fans aren't responding well to any of the music that we put out, and it's killing me, I'm trying to cooperate, and then he was starting to respond on his personal Instagram. I, I'm telling you right now, I promise, if you go back on his personal Instagram, and you start deep diving in the comments, you will see a plethora of negative comments, and that's disgraceful, yeah. and disgusting, and that affects people.
1: Unfortunately, I, I have a different opinion on that because I, it sucks, but whenever you get big, and this is something that I told myself like from day one, like think about your favorite artists and like hybrid theory was one of my favorite albums, like growing up, like just playing basketball in my, you know, in my driveway and just listening to that and, you know, being like, you know, like all that shit. love that stuff when I started to hear their new music, my first thought as the teenage Bruce was just like, this is different. This is not the Lincoln park I knew. And then, but then there's the new Bruce who's doing pop production and stuff. And I'm like, this is a smart move. Like I get what they're doing. The fans aren't going to like it though. It's going to be like this weird thing that they're going to have to find a middle ground for it. And the fucked up part is to your point, when you listen to those, those lyrics and stuff, Like, what was the one with uh, Kiara? I
0: can't Uh, personally pull anything up right now, so uh, I don't have, like, a guy to pull up
1: quotes and stuff. Yeah. I'm going to pull up that song. Uh, God, why can't I think of it? It was, like, the most recent big single. I just feel, like, I just feel bad that it hit him
0: so hard to the point where, like, it's, I don't, like... It's you can say you dislike a song or new music or whatever, but like don't be so passive aggressive and like disrespectful. Like he's a person too. Like you know what I mean? Like that's where I'm basically coming from. Like Yeah, no. Oh,
1: heavy. Heavy, okay. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that song's so fucking good. Um and yeah, no, my, my my point is that like unfortunately those people are always gonna exist. It's just it's way more they probably had those people back then oh, you're on fucking MTV fucking sellouts from their hometown, you know? And it's, like, probably carried over from thing to thing. Like, the moment you get popular, you got to deal with that shit. And it's the – I mean, obviously, Chester had a way more fucked up past than that he had to deal with a lot of fucking demons. And there's interviews with him being, like, he's, like, this is a bad neighborhood, and, like, I can't get out of that. You know, it's, like, I grew up in this bad neighborhood. And it's him and – um. I don't know. I, I just, I, I think it's, it sucks that there's people are so toxic and, and they're saying fans, but I think there is a middle ground of that where it's like, some of those people grew up on it, probably said shit. They're like, fuck this isn't them. But then they're like, so guilty afterwards. Like, fuck, I shouldn't have said that. And hopefully that was a wake up call to them to be like, maybe I should respect my idols while they're alive before I'm shitting on them in the comments. Mm-hmm. And I always, have been really bad with criticism um i'll focus on that more than i will the positive comments but recently i've i've learned to just like put something out and walk away which is like if anybody that's trying to post videos tiktoks whatever it is like even if it's you just trying to post a funny tweet like how many times do we have anxiety being like uh people are gonna think this is funny or people are gonna be like that's whack and then you're like, but I'm gonna come off confident. And then you post you post it and people are like, not it. And you're like, ah fuck. I drive.
0: I don't know. Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> But at the but at the same time, it's like, who cares? And it's like my whole thing I'm trying I'm I'm gonna try to like make my mission and my statement is that at the end of the day, we go to sleep with our own thoughts and we wake up with them. So we have to live with this. Nobody fucking else does. So if 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 it makes you happy to do X, Y, and Z, like, fucking do it. What's the worst that could happen? You know, like, somebody says, like, you fucking suck. It's like, don't believe it. Because, like, it's like, it's just, it's baby steps, obviously. But I'm learning to, like, before it used to take me, like, I wouldn't post anything on Instagram for a while. Because I was so afraid of, like, how I would look or the likes that I would get or the comments. or And I was like, I don't, like, none of that defines me. Like none of that, like I'm not sitting here now going like remember that time you got like sixty comments? I'm like, no, I, I don't I don't care. Like I'd rather the thing the comments that, that mean something to me is somebody being like, Your song meant X to me, you know? Or this this thing moved me in a way, or I felt really creative after I heard this, so I made this art. Like that all day, you know? And the weekend riot had it, and I have it right now, where I feel so fucking lucky that. And, and victory in victory numbers, like my first band, like I've been so lucky to have three different projects have people that cared. And like regardless of how big victory in numbers was, regardless of how weekend riot is, regardless of how big I may get, having people that even give a shit is so big. And I'll like never, ever take that for granted. And I have been taking that for granted and it's been making me feel guilty. <laughs> but, so when I, when, I, when I hear you talk about the comments and stuff like that, I, I have that, that battle within myself that I'm like, yeah, but they cared that much to be that passionate about a comment. Exactly. Like that kind of says like, how lucky is Linkin Park? And as fucked up as it is, you know, the, the shit I don't agree with is like personal attacks. How yeah. do you deal Boys? with the criticism?
0: like what 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 do you do to try to like get that out of like your thoughts in general because I always had a tough time doing it and I'm starting to get a little bit better uh over time
1: which is good yeah uh it depends on the day mm-hmm. there's some days I'll see something and it fucks my whole day up and the the biggest thing is like I empathize like with everybody if anybody's being hate like especially when you see somebody like tweeting a bunch of shit like um my, my uh my good friend lucas marx his dad is richard marx and he had a big song in the 80s well he was a huge artist in the 80s huge songwriter and so now he's very very anti-trump on twitter and he gets a lot of people being like oh you're a one-hit wonder you piece of shit whatever and he just goes after them and whenever he does i'll like go to those people's pages and it's like it's so negative And it's like, all I can think is like, these people, I think they hate themselves and they're trying to put out hate on other people. And then I just feel bad. So whenever anybody goes after me like that, that's, it's helped me so much. Like I'll get DMS, like about stuff, even my past relationship. I'll still get comments, you know, in Instagram lives, like I have fucking amazing people that in there, they'll like battle for me. They're like, not the time. Stop fucking asking about it. Stop bringing out the past. And it's, it's, it's really sweet, but that's the only thing that's helped me it's like either they're too young to understand what they're saying they're just trying to get attention because i've screenshotted messages i've got and i might block out their name whatever because i don't want them to get hate but just to put it on blast and then they'll go oh i didn't think you'd see this Uh, my friend dared me to do it but i actually really love your music and it's like not cool and i think there's so there's a mixture mixture of that and then yeah i think there's a lot of people that they just don't they're not happy and they they want to bring other people down and it makes them, but I think at the end of the day, even when they hurt people, they probably feel even worse and then just spirals out even more. So that's why I I try, I always make jokes about it. Like if anybody's mean, like I'll make a joke and I've only had like one instance where like somebody was like in front of me, just like really mean. And I came out to a show. uh, I don't know. Maybe it was Seattle. I forget where it was. I don't know, but walked out on stage and this girl looks at me and she just goes and like, gives me the middle finger. And I was like, what the fuck? And it just, the whole show I'm like dancing around singing. I'm like, why did she do that? She looks so, and the whole rest of the show just arms crossed. And I'm like, why does this girl hate me? And I'm focusing. And then I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I, if I focus on this girl, she's ruining the show, not only for me, but for everybody else, that's like paying to, for me to entertain them. You know, like what am I going to do? Just be in my thoughts and be like, this one girl ruined it for all y'all. I was just like, fuck it. So I just like had fun and then eventually looked over and by the end of it, she like put her arms down and was like kind of like shrugging. I was like, all right, all good. But it's just funny, man. That's a crazy experience.
0: I um, That's the thing too, because I always was a people pleaser. I always try to like make people laugh or like say some dumb shit to, you know, like not impress people, but like, I just want to like be cool with everybody. Like, like, I can like, it's so, I could talk to a brick wall for hours. I think that's why I'm doing this podcast, but I think, you know what I mean? So... Um, Basically, the whole thing is like I did try to impress people a lot, and that was something that I learned that um, I'm I gotta worry about myself first and make myself a priority because if I don't, dude, it's just literally going to be uh, a, like a, it's gonna be a spiral. Like I'm gonna be going in circles, like running around in circles. I'm not gonna be getting anywhere with it. It's just gonna be com- continuously. Uh, continuously to you know go through those those um situations and it's just it's basically on repeat and it's not good it's not good so try it. and and um it, it's good that uh that, that's a good way of taking criticism because i started learning to like not press people so I, the whole fact that uh
1: you know the, know the thing that i learned too was that i'm just gonna be super honest about everything so with the weekend riot we would post weekly covers And we knew that that would like help views. And then we went to put out original music and knowing like, not that no one cared, but it was like, we might get 100,000 views on this One Direction cover. And then we would get 1500 views on an original song, music video, you know? And we're like, what the fuck? But it's, it's the idea of like, you can't, and I'm just like a big advocate for this. You might as well do what you love because if that thing blows up, you're like, cool. So many people are like, like it happens all the time with tweets oh, now this is going viral. Check out my mixtape. Now this is going viral. Do this. It's like, we didn't come here for that. You know? And I think it's just, it's, it's tough because you, if you put out a drum cover and you're like, I'm really proud of this and it does a hundred views and you're like, oh, that's not what I wanted it to do. You're going to be like, well, what's going to get the views? Cause then I'm going to feel better. And then it happens and you're like, I, I hated that song. I don't want to do any of those covers. You know? And it, then it's it's the it's exactly what you said. It's a cycle. And then I don't know. It's uh that's what I'm really, really trying to remember. And it's like my last song that I put out, uh, it's called Say to You. And I'm really proud of the songwriting. But overall I'm like, I don't know if that's what I want to sound like. And I got so caught up in like, let me play the play the game, I guess a little bit. And like this. These melodies lend way more towards the pop side of stuff. Maybe I could get some playlists on Spotify, and I like submitted to a bunch, and a bunch came back and like like your voice, whatever. Just like this isn't it for us. And it was like, damn, that sucks. And it was like a lot of nos, enough criticism and nos to, for me to go like, well, I wasn't even that proud of that song. Like I love that song, but I don't think it was for me. And I think the ego got in the way a little bit. And it was like, I think I could have presented that song to maybe another artist. Like, let's work on this together, make it even better. And it'd be perfect because your voice could do this for that. And I have friends that disagree with me. I had this conversation with my friend last night. And he's like, you're an idiot. The song's good. (laughs) So this is my own stuff. But I want to be able to like play something for somebody. And they go, this is so you. Like, that's the best compliment. Like, I've gotten that for everybody dies. But when I would play that for people, they're like, oh, this is your you found your sound. And then I was just like, OK, I'm going to go over here now and not focus on that, even though that was like the most proud I've been about a song in a long time.
0: That song is a bop, uh, Caroline. There's a lot of people in the comments that are appreciating the earlier talk that we had. So I appreciate you tuning in oh. and listening. Um, but you because you when you show me Malicious, we were recording with you in Bucks County for our I'm debut like, album.
1: 2015. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you're like, how, how do you guys feel about the song? And Kevin was the first one that was like, dude, this is incredible. Like you have to release this, and you're like, uh, I don't know. Like I have to do some things, and I'm so glad that you put out a YouTube video uh, with the with you transcending that song and evolving it into what it is now because it's amazing. I love it. That's one of my favorites,
1: dude. Yeah, and that that was I. We recorded your guys' EP right before I was mixing it when we were on tour.
0: Yeah, pretty and- much
1: made it to LA and then like I was doing like final mixes like some of my, like whenever I listen to that EP if I ever listen back the, I'm immediately brought back to that my first apartment. Johnny and I shared a room cuz like I had 500 dollars in my name. I was like, well, better make it work. And then it was like I got to mix these things and make money cuz I'm not going to be able to afford rent. <laughs> and I just remember like it's it's I I fucking love that EP because of that reason. Especially the song with Shuler. Dude. Daytripper yeah. was one of those songs that I knew that to
0: to to compare both Kevin and Schuler's um, ranges was going to be so beautiful, and it was the perfect formula to let you record that. I was like, this is the perfect storm, man. Like this song's going to be a hit, which it became a fan favorite. I'm pretty sure it's like besides that and Golden Fields, those are like the top two songs that people are like thoroughly enjoy. Oh, good i mean dude honestly to be to be completely honest with you thank you for teaching me the ins and outs of how to go about recording because i was such a fidgety drummer that like i was all over the place i didn't really have repetitive um parts of songs and you taught me structure and you taught me a lot of that so i really appreciate that
1: oh hell yeah 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 dude record a new ep wait what who recorded your guys new stuff?
0: Okay, so we're in New Jersey now. I forget where, but it's uh Bobby Torre's a freight box recordings. Um, he's located in New Jersey. He's done a lot of metalcore um, and just metal bands in general, but he's got a great uh, he's got a great tone to what he's putting out there. His production was.
1: Did you say metalcore?
0: Metalcore, metal.
1: Medical. He does a lot of medical work, but he also does it, producing on the side. Yeah, he's
0: de- he's a, he's a, he's an H- um he's a uh he's an ER nurse or something, and yeah, he's.
1: The drums sound fucking amazing. Like that was like the biggest thing that I took away. I was like, damn, this guy's good. So <laughs> your shit sounds great, man.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, have you been talking to? uh Have you have you still talked to Johnny? Uh, since you know,
1: um, you no. Know, um, I can't remember the last time we talked. I saw him the last time I saw him was he had quit in January and then I saw him in December and it was bonkers it was so weird and I was like man I feel so weird about this and we said we were in a room uh what's the place right next to the electric factory voltage lounge voltage, Yep. Yeah. and um yeah we were there and and I saw him and like we said hi, like I said hi to like all our mutual friends and stuff and then me and him just like didn't say anything and like just kind of walked by each other. And I was like, man, I know everything about this guy. And it's like, we're not even talking. And then I wrote the song better off this way about it. The second verse is just literally that exact situation. Cause I was like, I don't know how else to deal with this. I have to like write and say something to get it off my chest. But I think it was like, I DM'd him before the song came out. I was like, yo man, like, I I hope, you know, there's like no hard feelings. Like I wrote the song and like, it is about the situation, but like the whole verse is about like, I don't hate you. Like I have nothing but love for you, like whatever. And then I think maybe like six months later, I DM'd him, he had like made like a new Instagram and somebody was like, Oh, here's a new Instagram. And then I DM'd him and I was just like, Hey man, I just hope you're well, like just checking in making sure everything's cool. So, I mean, like everything's fine. It's just, it's tough. Cause it's like, it's like a breakup. Like sometimes you need to, to just give each other space and to, um, I don't know, to, understand that sometimes it doesn't work out and it's probably harder if we keep talking. Yeah. You know, then like, like best friend breakups, dude, are the fucking worst.
0: They're the worst. Trust me, especially my past relationship. That was a best friend uh, plus relationship. That didn't, you know, that was hard. So I totally feel on that. I haven't, I still, I still talk to some friends that, um, uh, that I involved with in past projects. Um, and I, I don't hate them, but it's just like, man, I just wish there can be a silver lining <laughs> for to, to communicate one day but i haven't some are called talking to me some aren't i don't know why but it is what it is i don't know but i'm i'm so stoked that you reached out to him because he's a good dude i met him once super sweet guy um
1: and and i like still keep tabs so like i'll like check in every once in a while to see he what he's doing he's like he has this really cool project and like i don't even know like it's it's like i don't know if i'm supposed to like if he would want me to like promote it or not, (laughs) or you know, like, or if he's trying to keep everything, like he'd like just abandoned his Instagram. And I was like, is that him saying like, I don't, I didn't like this. Ironically, your podcast name, like, I don't think he liked the limelight. I think he liked being a little more, he's, he's a really introverted guy and he's so fucking widely talented and he's really creative. And I think, and I'm not going to speak for him. So I'll never like put words in his mouth from my point of view. It was like, I'm not fulfilling the creativity that I want to do. And it took me a year to like accept that because I blame myself. I blamed maybe what did I do wrong in this and whatever. And it's like, we were doing pop music and he didn't want to do it. Like, it's not for everybody. And it becomes a job, especially in like, right. Like we were writing, we wrote fucking like 90 songs in like four or five, six months. And it's every single day you're going, we're going to get a song today. And you go in with a new producer or a new writer and you're constantly doing that over and over. It's just like, okay, what else? We've written about everything. What do we do now? All right. Let's start writing some fucking ballads. Okay. Let's go into this. And by the end of it, I was like, man, I love this. I love songwriting. I love being able to go in a room and like somebody says something like, how do we flip that? And I think for him, he's like, I want to sit with this music. I want to figure out how I want it to sound and do this and, he wanted to take the way more artistic approach to it and not have that songwriting with other people. Why are, why are you saying what I want to say? And again, I'm not speaking for him. He never said this, but I just, it's just what I took from it. And, um, but I have nothing but love. Yeah. Everything you said, he's a super talented guy and, and I never, you know, I like, I just, I just really hope he's, he's, he's doing well. It All seems right. like he is.
0: Yeah, I remember you texting me, like literally when it happened, or maybe shortly after, because I know you probably had some other people to reach out to first because it's a serious situation. And you were like, "What do you?" you asked my opinion, like, "What should I do?" And I was like, "I just remember saying, just do the weekend ride by yourself." Like, I yeah. think you're an incredible artist. I think you have so much potential in general. Um, I've never seen you do any kind of video editing or what so what but like that was like the one thing that johnny did which was cool so you guys were a really good duo at the time but you did continue to move forward and do it i it, i don't know i don't think it even took that long it, it, it seems like it just like happened so fast but and then you got shane dawson using i don't know you know in his video and shouting you out which was incredible i mean eugenia is such a sweetheart i i remember seeing her all the time on social media and unfortunately she disappeared for a little bit in that documentary shares you know sheds light on that and it just you evolved into something that you thoroughly enjoyed that you're putting yourself out there and and to be on that note like so when you go into writing these songs do you use a lot of your uh real life situations for inspiration for lyrics and such like is that how you sometimes approach a song depending on what it is
1: that's my biggest struggle it's that is that i only can do personal wow okay and it's really hard for me to just like make something up that doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. And there are some writers that are really, I mean, not that I haven't done it. I have, but it has to be like, like if it's another artist in the room or another songwriter, like somebody's got to have something we can attach to and run with. So somebody's like, Oh, I went through this breakup and they said this, or what am I doing with this? Or even just like, I don't know, like all that stuff. And I'm like, why can I write just to write like, And I don't know what I'm still battling that and still struggling with that to figure that out. Um, But I will say, there's nothing more rewarding than something that means so much to you. Like IDK means everything to me. It's if anybody asks how I feel, I'm like, that's the fucking song. And when that came in the document, I fucking cried when that song turned on. I was like, holy shit! Like this, how did this soundtrack fit perfect like for this moment? And then like, not only that, like Shane is such a sweetheart. He fucking put the music video at the end of it so that when you finish and I had no idea, I watched the whole thing. And at the end, it's like, my music video pops up on his channel and I'm like, what? And then it like drew. And then it was like, somebody's like, yo, you're charting on iTunes. Yo, you're charting on Shazam. And I was like, what is happening? And like, it was just like the most amazing thing, you know, and, and for somebody to do that, but it, it meant so much more to me because of what that song meant to me. And that is like the numbers, only like you only feel good about that for like a blip in time and it's like it's nice to tell people like hey here's here's how many streams i got on this song but the thing to me that makes me so proud is like this song meant so much to me and look what it's doing you know like that to me it's like this is my story and people care and um that that was the biggest thing to give me hope because everything with you and a lot of people told me like continue on the weekend riot you already have this platform just like run with it it was always like those Chester comments. People are going to be like, it's not the same without Johnny. You know, you yep. change. You're not the same. And I was like, I want to restart on this. And then I was like, well, if people don't like it when it's Bruce. They don't like Bruce because there's no weekend riot. There's no artist name. You don't like me. And then it was like figuring out how to, somebody gave me the uh, a perfect thing of this and and maybe this will help with what you were talking about with like YouTube comments and, and drum covers. Uh, somebody said, do you, are there like, I don't like John Mayer, but I love his Instagram. He's so funny. I hate his music. <laughs> it was like this, like the biggest epiphany I've ever had in my life. And I was like, huh? Because his music isn't him. It's just like an extension of him. You don't like that extension, but you like how funny he is over here, and when he's doing comedy and whatever. And it was just like, what? But that's the truth. It's like, if somebody doesn't like IDK and they're like, "That's a piece of shit song," it doesn't mean they think Bruce is a piece of shit.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: I'm. They may like my song. Like that. You never know. Like it's and it's that's the thing that I I, I keep trying to tell myself. And I'm the biggest hypocrite because I can say all these things and I can give the best advice to my friends that are going through it, but then when I'm in the moment, I'm like. I've been struggling with this for the past three months. I have songs that I've played on Instagram live. There's a song called letter to my teenage self that means the world to me. People love it. And I go to record it and I'm like, it's not going to do well. I don't think people are going to connect. Is this your sound? You know, are you going to be proud of this in a couple months? And then I'd like all these thoughts, like every time I go to sit down to write a song or have been happening. And I've literally been just like, all right, back to producing, like just work on this part, you know, of this artist's song and, and, or co-write with other people. So it's easier, but then I'm co-writing and I'm like, well, now I'm like, I don't know if I like that song because we kind of made it sound like them. And it doesn't sound like me anymore, but all that being said, it's like, and I don't know if, you know, just to bring back what we were talking about before, but just having the conversation with my therapist and, and talking about, you know, you know, going on antidepressants and and different avenues and understanding that at the end of the day, it's, it's about us being happy. It's about you being happy with what you're doing and everything else should just be icing on the cake. And that I was forever trying to find validation in my numbers and people showing up to a show. And I was like, if I decide to do a solo tour and 20 people show up in a city, How's that going to make me feel? True. You know, so, I'm like, okay, well, figure out your shit internally. So then when you look at 20 people and you go, fuck, yeah, 20 people. Because, like, Aaron, um, Sunreal, the artist, is the most inspiring dude. He's so fucking positive. I don't know if you've ever checked out his music. He's fucking amazing. But he, he was on tour with us, with Scott. And we sat there and we talked about it. And he goes, bro, you need to get out to these cities. Go by yourself. 20, 30, 40, 50 people might show up. Who cares? Because the next time, it's going to be 100. And the next time, it's going to be 150. Maybe it's 120, and then it's 170, and then he's like, "Just keep going, because like as long as you keep feeding it and keep going, like people are gonna support it." He's like, "You have what it takes," and it's like when you hear people say that, it's like so inspiring. But then you go, "What if they don't?" Right? <laughs> I can't afford for that to happen. You know, to play a show and nobody shows up.
0: But you won't know until you try. And the thing is, like, I if anybody's an average, um, an excuse me, um, an inspiring musician. Um, the, to tour not constantly but to make an effort to start locally regionally then throughout the country um it just give it a shot see what happens uh i mean you know within the business like you know getting into the music business and all and such to, of learning how to you know wrap in you know music starting first and then you know going out to you know all the content creation and such um But you won't know, like when Poeta got off a warp Tour, I mean, we did a couple other things and then we went on a hiatus and we had people just be like, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And the shows did get a little bigger every now and then, but I think the hiatus hurt us and it put me in a really bad spot because it was just, it was just hard because we were just, we're reinventing ourselves. Um, However, um, but yeah, you don't, you don't know. You're going to show up to like, you know, maybe 20, then 50. Like that, that's what you, that's circulating that and being more involved and being out there and giving it, you know, your passion for what you do and just kicking ass, people enjoy that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the weird thing right now is, and I, I wonder what you think about this, is that the the old DIY, just keep touring, get in a van, get in a trailer and just go, like, it doesn't work anymore.
0: You're absolutely right. It doesn't work anymore. And it's extremely hard to get on to tours without having some kind of... Um, data of analytics from spotify with your streams
1: right and even when when we when the weekend this is kind of funny i'm gonna put someone on blast i won't say his name uh, but, okay <laughs> wild tour and it was um it was I'm 5 the weekend riot uh Bailey mcconnell sam Podorf from um o2l he was the host of the tour uh there's a couple other people that were on oh they, i went yeah. to
0: that show i was it was at the film war right
1: uh tla what when did you play the film more? Oh, that was when we played full. We played we played a full band set. Okay, this for sure. Like um, right before that, it was like or maybe maybe a year before that. But man, time flies. Yeah. So the booking agent was like, "Well, they have X amount of followers. They have X amount of subscribers. They have this. They have that. Whatever. Combined, we can sell at the TLA. We can sell it at a twelve hundred cap venue, and like three hundred people showed up. Mm. And for Philly, that was huge." But then we played in Atlanta, and it was uh, uh the Masquerade maybe, I forget what the, whatever the big room is. I think there's like there's like hell, heaven, and purgatory. Whatever the big room is, I guess heaven. I would say heaven, yeah. There was a row of people on barricade, and that was it. It's like going to the Electric Factory, playing a show, and only the people at barricade are there. That's how many people showed up. Like it was so defeating but the the booking agent had the thought well because the analytics say you have this many followers we can get x amount of people per city but that's so not true and like luckily like after like two years people started to realize like well a lot of youtube subscribers might be coming from other countries they might be people who don't want to go and see shows that's why they're mainly on youtube like you have to find your audience elsewhere so and that's why we like to your point about the regional stuff i think it's really important to um there's this comedian. Um I don't know if you ever saw him, he does loops. His name's Mark uh Rubier or it's like R-I-B-I-L-E-T. Sounds he's familiar. He's like one of the he's my favorite person to follow. I highly recommend it. But uh uh he was just on H3 and stuff too. But he does everything he does is made up on the spot. So he has a loop and he's he's hooked up with his logic and yeah. he'll start making and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, baby!" Like, and they just like make. But he's got an amazing he's voice. He's
0: hilarious. Too. Yeah, he's hilarious. He yeah. just
1: did. Um, they highlighted his. Uh, what was it?
0: h three. Well, they highlighted one of his loops, one of his performances. He just did. Who's the guy that's going viral now? That is being attacked. Um,
1: Keemstar. Okay. He yeah.
0: Did this on Keemstar. Yeah. 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 So funny.
1: But his thing was, he started in Dallas, and he started to just find little like places that would let him play. And he, he knew he had something like unique and original and he would just go to, he would play like lunchtime at a brewery and like people are eating sandwiches, not giving a shit. And he was like, whatever, this is like just me to work on my craft in front of an audience. And I think that's the most important thing right now is that people need to be a little bit more forward thinking that the past shit's just not working. Like something is broken there. So we need to figure out the next thing. And it's, if it's going to coffee shops and there's only 10, 15 people there, I don't think it's about making a fan base there. I think it's about figuring out, okay, this is a workout for me. So I'm on a stage. How can I be working the stage a little bit more? Even if I get somebody drinking their coffee to look up at me. Okay. I, I won. I won tonight. You know, you never know. Like I think that the issue is everybody wants to, and I'm guilty of this, that you want to win over fans immediately. And that it's like, it, to your thing before it's a marathon that if, if I just say like, Hey, check out my song. You're going to be like, who the fuck are you? Exactly. One like, for me, buddy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my brain's going a little bit all over the place. I saw this is really funny. And if you're, if you're, if anybody that's listening or watching this, this is going to go up on YouTube too, right?
0: Correct. Yeah. So on Friday, this is going to go up on all streaming platforms. Plus YouTube, okay, so.
1: cool. So if, if anybody is doing this. is really smart. I saw this on a Joe Rogan. I, I always go through, like, comments, and I try to find timestamps, like, when... Because those things are, like, two hours long. I'm like, maybe they talked about something, and somebody's like, go to 203 for this. And this guy put every timestamp with... uh He had this guy, Jesus, this this really funny stand-up comedian. And it's, like, zero minutes to talk about this. Two, like, fucking 20 of them. And then at the end, it goes, this took a lot of time, so if you wouldn't mind, like go check out my music and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's so smart because he's going, I'm doing you a service. So if you, if you are into it, check this out. And it wasn't like spammed comment, check out my blah, 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 blah. Cause everybody's like, what are you going to do for me? You know? And it's like, well, offer something, you know, like make people have a reason to want to listen to you. Like, I don't know. I just, I think that's like really important because as artists, we, we can get very selfish to be like, why am I not getting enough streams? It's like, well, what are you doing for people to want to check out the streams? Be
0: creative. Be, be, you think, not think outside the box, but be creative and to who yourself. Like, that's extremely creative. Like, I, I I know, like, of the, of the normal uh, protocols of um, promoting one-on-one where you just involve yourself. Like, if you have a YouTube channel, you just comment and, like, be involved in the community. But that's, that's pretty intelligent for, you know, doing a service for everybody. And then, at the very least, all they have to do is
1: just listen to music. That's incredible. And for a while, I struggled, too. Like, I was like, I want to make production videos, but I don't want to, you know, be putting it all out there of, like, my techniques and this and that. And it's like, who cares, though? Because if you put the shit out there and people connect with it and they come to your channel for advice or that, it's all a win. And granted, I haven't done it in a while, but, like, that's why, I started, like, posting production videos and, like, this is what I did with the bass and this is how... But I... For... I, God, I, I need to like have a conversation with people that aren't musicians that I struggle with. Like, I want to make YouTube content because I, I get really involved in like the like I get really excited about mixing and I get really excited about taking something that is you laughing. And I'm like, I took the laugh and made it into this whole hook of the court, you know, whatever the fuck it is. Like I sampled it and that shit makes me so excited. But I'm always like if you watch any of my production videos, I kind of dance over stuff to get to the next thing, because instead of going into detail and being, showing my passion about how excited I'm about it, I'm like, this is boring. I got to keep going. And then you end up like, like watering down your content instead of being like, I could have just focused on the bass tone and been like, this is a bass guitar. Everybody thinks it's a electric guitar cause it's so distorted, you know, whatever it is. Um, but yeah i don't know i i i'm I'm trying to find ways now too to be more forward thinking and and as far as promoting and stuff and you know like exactly what we said just like just to make people like want to pay attention and stuff and it's like i i feel very blessed to have an audience that already does care and i'm like okay how do i get more people to be paying attention or industry people or booking agents or managers or whoever Mm -hmm. and i'm like i think it's just staying the course and just doing stuff that I want to be excited about because if like we're excited about the shit we do, it's going to translate in some way. And then it's like, if I'm doing stuff that's a little more forward thinking as far as my production, like I dude, pop punk became a curse word for Johnny and I, because our manager at the time, our manager, Brian would be like pitching us out and we would get the same notes every time. Like they sound a little too warped Tour. And we were like, and right. So from yeah, like, where come we're, from, we're not Warped Tour. We're so pop, but because of our tone and I listened back to some of those things. And now my brain has been so ingrained with that, that I'm like, and he really made it like, you guys got to stray away from this because it's hurting us. Instead of going, this is what you are. Let's lean in. We were like, no, we got to satisfy these people that are going to take us somewhere. And for the longest time it became like this negative thing to be like, if I have any sort of pop punk tone in my voice, I'm fucking up and nobody cares and whatever. And now the ironic thing is if we would have stayed the course, we would be so big right now because pop punk became like so mainstream again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Data Remember kind of brought it back. And then you have all these bands like neck deep and story so far. Yep. You're exactly right. Yeah.
1: And it's, and it, yeah. And like a lot of these artists, like there's like pop artists using like, uh, like even Machine Gun Kelly, Youngblood, like Youngblood. He's like a big pop star, but he sounds like Burt McCracken, like the Uzi who would scream and stuff. And he's on radio. I'm like, what the fuck, dude, I should have just stayed with it. So, but it's like, I'm, I'm glad because then I found like this new influence of like pop stuff and, and other artists. And I've always loved pop, but like finding my voice and to be like, well, I can still lean here or there wherever I I think I sound good or I want to sound like I can do that. So I don't know. It's a struggle. You always had
0: that creative aspect to you, um, especially with the one thing I liked about the weekend ride was that you guys would do those one shot covers like it was just one take. So it wasn't one shot like you do different takes because you want to do it on one um, just one shot in general. And they were fantastic. And the one won an MTV award, which was pretty sweet. Dude,
1: That that was both exciting and sad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. And we all know why. But, um, but your pop stuff, is it's so you, and then the creativity that you come behind it with Everybody Dies, like you being an old man, like, it's just, it's hilarious. Like, you put your bits to comedy. I'm surprised you're not a comedian and an actor, on top of being a YouTuber, a producer. Um, what else? What else do you do? Um, like, what's next, dude? What are you doing? Like, you could do so uh, many things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Politics, I'm going to be running for governor. Please, belong yeah. long, God, don't. <laughs> uh, no, I... I, the, the really, the, the funny thing is like, I've been trying to think about um, ways to, every time that I would go out of my comfort zone is when things would happen for me. And it, I just started to really think about it. I was like, okay. So I was living on the East Coast, living in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, producing bands. I found comfort in that. I found comfort in making friends through that. Like, I got to meet some of the people I'm close with, closest with today are from producing them. And I was like, man, that's so fucking great. That's so cool. But then I was like, but it wasn't until I decided, let me go to another producer, and they have they they might shit on my stuff or they might shit on my songwriting. And went to Ace Ender's, and was like, hey, you record this. And he was the one to go. You guys should be doing pop. And he literally opened the door and was like, I'm gonna teach you how to songwrite. I'm gonna teach you this. I'm gonna teach you that. And we, me, Johnny, and Ace collab together to make this. The we made the weekend riot. Like that was Ace's baby and i'll always credit him for that and he was the first one to like light a spark into me and that's all i needed i just needed someone to go like you have what it takes and i was like cool thank you okay and then just like we ran for it and it gave me like the confidence and the thing that i was thinking about recently I was like am i just too comfortable and i was like for sure i think i'm too afraid to get in rooms with bigger people so i play it safe and the times that i do get in the rooms with bigger people things happen for me. So I'm like, okay. And and if they don't, who cares? Like it's another connection that you've made. And I decided, I was like, you know what? After we're able to, you know, to be outside again and things are, are in that place, I'm gonna start doing improv classes. I'm gonna start doing acting classes. And if even if I never do an audition in my life, I wanna just, I wanna put myself in that position where I went, I did that and to push myself because I think I've been so playing it safe and comfortable. And there's like this, there's this great interview with David Bowie where he talks about, he's like, he's like, you know, you're comfortable in the shallow. He's like the moment that your feet are barely touching the ground. He's like that. That's when you're in a place where, you know, you're about to make some really amazing, you know, things in your life because then you're starting to, you're in the unknown. So now you're in this territory of like, I don't know. Like that's where creativity starts to get really interesting. And I'm trying to just do that. I feel super inspired and just having this conversation with you. I feel super inspired to just like want to create and excited about everything.
0: Me too. And I appreciate that because dude, you're one of my most influential people um, that is closest to me. I mean, there's a lot, you know, Of others that i have like schuler or the band that i'm in now like there's just so many I, i always like surrounding myself with people who are more intelligent than me that i can learn from and go back and conversate um but like i didn't i didn't think like this podcast like i talked about it and said about it for a while and when kevin lyman said here's my number i basically shit my pants and then i was like sure let's uh let's book i was like i guess i gotta start to get this rolling so i started emailing a bunch of people everybody started saying yeah and the train started rolling i mean this is i I think this is great for me uh to to communicate with everybody that you know wants to talk on you know certain issues or their profession um or get an education out of this but it's super sincere and that's why i really like this and especially when we know each other and we can have a correlation of like you know music and everything else and uh but yeah, I, I do. You're like when I first met you, I was like, This guy's he, this dude's fucking hilarious. Like, the, the shit that you that we used to joke around in the studio and stuff, like, I can't remember exact things, but um, <laughs> so- god, um, but
1: uh, just to I need to like, I need everybody to understand that the his interview where he's talking about Kevin Lyman because some people I don't think I understand he was the founder of Warp Tour. He's like the guy that did all of that. He's the guy that put three twenty festival together. So that's who George got. And I just have to like, stamp how cool of a fucking accomplishment that is. Thank you, I appreciate it.
0: And we had a we had a great conversation. I was extremely nervous because we were on his tour and we had a great time. And we, we he kicked our ass and uh, what was it? Um, uh, knockout, but super inspiring. And he's so humane. Like he's so humble. Like I've never met such a like nicer dude who's just so straightforward in my entire life. In general um but it's crazy so we we never really um talked much about uh tour we just kind of talked about what he was going on and stuff um but you're but you you you, so you're still you're you still you before we um i'm starting a little bit i don't know why but before you before we fix this uh podcast to to stream did you um you said you're writing some songs right
1: currently yeah. I have, there's like a bunch of demos and like half written songs. Um, and I've been like, I'll like pop on, on Instagram live just to like, for me, it was like the, I got really lucky where there was like this little formula that I had that I was like, I can go on tour. I can play a new song and I can feel it out and it's crowd fucks with it. Like, cool. I'm going to put that out. And I did that with IDK and then I did that with everybody dies. And then I was like, how do I test the waters now? Like, I want to know what people are thinking or leaning towards. And that's why, like I started playing say to you on Instagram live. And then there's a song called minute. That means a lot to me. It's amazing. Uh, I wrote it with my friend Jess and that's, that's probably gonna be the next single. I just have to, there's like a bridge part of the song that I haven't written and she's been doing zooms and stuff. So like, that's the new, the new writing session is zoom sessions. And it's really hard because when there's not somebody in the room and the energy there's like music to me, it's like, it's all energy. And it's like, if you're not like, you can feel it over like this, like we can feel it in a conversation, but if I'm playing a song and it's a delay on you and now you're going, wait, what? Like we're fucking up the energy. And it's like, it's so hard to be on with it. Um, however, I have gotten a couple of good songs that have been like pitched out and stuff, which has been cool. But, um, minute, I always go on tangents minutes. going to be, one of the new songs letter to my teenage self and uh the most important thing for me to to me right now is like just kind of figuring out where i want my music to go instead of just like i feel like i've just been like doing this like uh and like looking all around and not just like honing in on like what am i going to be excited about that i'm going to sit in a room and hit play for somebody and they're going to go what the fuck is this what the fuck is up Kyle <laughs> you know so are you collaborating with anybody
0: with these songs, like, at all? Or is it just your mindset, like, with everything?
1: Uh, minute, yeah, I collabed with my friend Jess. She goes by Kane, C-A-Y-N-E. She's so fucking talented. Um, the other ones have just been me. And that's, why, like, I think I need to – the other thing that I haven't done in forever is, like, I was just texting Joe Lally. We were talking about this, how we miss being in bands and, like, miss just being in a room and jamming. Like, yeah. I don't jam. That
0: feeling is so pure, especially when you just somehow can feel each other's vibes from going into a verse, into a chorus or anything of that nature. It feels so good. It really does. It's incredible.
1: And you're just jamming until something feels good. And then you land like, oh, no, no, no. Keep doing that group. Keep doing that. I got this idea now. And I'm like, that's what that's my favorite when I work with other producers. And that happened uh, with Everybody Dies. I I collab with uh, two other producers called Bad Vibes. And I'm like, why am I not doing like, why don't I just make beats? And then write to that later, my brain is so bad. It wants to write all the time. There's a melody all the time. And it's a blessing and a curse because when I'm trying to make a beat, I'm like, but what would I sing over this? Instead of just feeling out like what, what sort of rhythm is going to make me feel inspired or excited. I'm constantly like, okay, the beats here, but like, I don't want to. And I'm like, stop, (laughs) stop singing and just fucking do it. So I think for the future stuff, I'm just going to like, started making beats and whatever and i I, the one idea i had for videos like um i don't know if you know todd smith toddy smith Mm -mm. uh he he played piano with scott and he's he's been playing piano a lot more and he'll just send me videos of like stuff he he messes with on his nord and it's always really inspiring to me because i'm like it sounds like i could take this and make it sound like it's a sample like from like a vinyl or something because it's just his iphone and you hear the reverb in the room and people are walking around and I texted them and I was like, dude, keep sending me these. Cause like I'm eventually going to do a series where I take like videos from my friends and like make beats out of them. Like that would be so cool to do. And then mm-hmm. people make songs with it. Cause my biggest thing is like, why am I not doing that and letting other people be creative with my own shit? Like mm-hmm. it's just going to be more inspiring for people. So that's next. Yeah, that's but at the cool. same time, I want to do it like live on Twitch. And that's why I need to talk to you about this and talk to Pat about this. Cause I don't know how to do this shit.
0: <laughs> I don't really know how to much do of this either, uh, with OBS and everything. I mean, he was a huge help, um, especially with the, the getting graphics. Uh, the first three episodes were pretty good for a start, and then my buddy Kyle, uh, he he is like a he's a tour manager for Weaver Sharks, a pop punk band in mm-hmm. Ontario, Canada, just was like, hey, bud, like I just got bored from the you know being home in the quarantine. I just redid your logo and. I was like, dude, please do my overlay. This looks incredible. Like, come on, man. I was like, how much do you say, you don't owe me anything? I was like, I fucking love you. Um, yeah. you. It sounds like you don't even have time for like I mean you're doing a lot of projects and with writing and such, but and I don't think you have time for dating. <laughs> like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it seems like you're pretty um you're pretty occupied.
1: Yeah. I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it comes back to the the place of like I think I need to be alone and just be happy doing this mm-hmm. and it's like I keep saying it over and over. And then it's like, well, maybe I, I'm ready, you know, cause it's like, you get lonely. It's like, I want to be talking to people. I want to be around people. And I've definitely tried. And, uh, but I think the most important part of it is just like, I just being real with myself about it. And that's been the biggest breakthrough, especially, you know, with the conversation I had with my therapist the other day, it just like made me realize like, I can be excited alone and create and I think it's the, the toxic part of my brain goes to like, you're going to put it out. No one's going to really care. What's it going to do? And like, that's a depression taking over. And, uh, yeah, something I learned in therapy, a little free, free little tidbit that this, this has helped so much is putting a name to your anxiety or your doubts. And so I named mine Bart. <laughs> so whatever, like that creeps in, like literally I'll start talking out loud. I'm like, but dude, like whatever, like I I feel like a crazy person, but it helps so much or just like writing it down and being like, when you can address it, like it's somebody else and being like, yeah, but but it's like, who cares? It makes me excited. Like if it does 2000 streams, who cares if it does 2000 streams or 2000 views or whatever. It's just like somebody else might look at that and be like, oh my God, he's doing 2000 views. It's like, who gives a shit? Like, no, you, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. Cause like, if you just keep saying the course, And something does happen people are gonna be like i was there when there was no views like that's so cool i got to watch this person grow i don't know
0: dude they're loving the bart um there's it's it's like going on right now jen said bart like the norcal bus system
1: (laughs) what i don't know what what that is but uh like north
0: cali bus system i guess it's called bart that's funny i don't Um,
1: know do you know uh wait i thought did you go to school with do you know lexi murphy she sounds familiar Murphy. I'm
0: better with faces than I have names
1: or Pam Murphy um I
0: do know of oh, Pam Murphy yeah
1: so that's my cousin and oh okay named Bart and maybe this is mean to say but Bart was like I forget what kind of dog it is but he was very uh like if you would like rub his skin it was like very like dry and like he had a bad eye and it would like goop so like that's my Bart <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing it's a good it's it's good to compare
0: it to something you know what i mean come on
1: (laughs) they're gonna kill me for that because i haven't told them that (laughs) that poor pup no it's okay um he he has passed that's why i I knew uh, i could do (laughs) you could do that yeah you could do
0: that it's okay um that's so funny yeah and i think the biggest thing for me um i wish i can go back to therapy some people were taking notes they said while you were explaining um how you go about it um I, it's, for me, I think closure is like one of the biggest things. Um, if I – if I like for instance, like you reaching out to Johnny and um, saying like, hey, man, like blah, blah, blah. Like I, I really just want you to know that like I wrote this and I want you to know if I think it's okay or whatever. Like the closure, I seem – it seems to me that it helps me a lot if I can have that opportunity. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you really don't and that's okay too. But like – and I remember you talking to you earlier like you had closure, Carly. I think you guys are still cool, right? Like I believe.
1: Yeah, we're cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's pretty cool. So it's just, like, one of those things that, like, it's, you know, I like, all, all you have to do is just try and you know, make sure that you're doing the best that you can every day with whatever the situation is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just as an overall factor.
1: Yeah, I think to that point, too, I think the most important part of it is, like, making sure the other person's happy. And if you don't want them happy, then why? You know? And it's like, I, like, have wanted nothing but happiness for her and she seems to be really happy right now and that's awesome and like we've texted here and there just about like other random stuff like not to get like personal about it but um any like i would never want anybody like johnny or anybody to like not succeed and it's like there have been people in my past and like i won't put names on it but like and that's why i put in that song so maybe i am addressing who it is about but being like it that it hurts to see me doing well like that is in better off this way because that was something that got back to me is like it sucks to see you like doing okay right now Mm -hmm. and i have trouble with that because i'm like i i want all my friends to succeed regardless if we're friends or not anymore or relationships don't work out like i love when people like shit happens for them like I would hope people would want the same for me, and when they don't like it hurts like more than anything that somebody would like w- wish that I wouldn't do well or that I'd be hurting as much as they did or something I don't know it's tough
0: it is tough and it it's hard when i when I got out of a relationship, I just unfortunately had to just it was hard- it was hard for me to bear to. Not see how well she was doing, but like it was hard for me because like that is not there anymore. So I kind of just like unfollowed and just tried to not see that content. But I've started to grown up a little bit. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be doing as much with that at all. But it's, it is, it is what it is. Life is life and you move on. And i dude, I'm stoked for what you're going to release soon. I mean, I don't know when. I know that everything's going on with the pandemic, but hopefully we see something. Then The coolest thing I did that I did see was that, um, one of your, one of your, um, one of your, I don't want to say client, but one of the musicians that came to you to produce, they were on that show for NBC. What's it called? Like Songland. That was yeah, incredible. Yeah. That was incredible, dude. That's pretty cool.
1: Uh, she's from Cherry Hill.
0: <laughs> no way! That's so close to me. That's
1: awesome. Dude, her voice is phenomenal. I met her. Uh, she worked at Howl at the Moon in Philly, <clears throat> that like karaoke bar or not karaoke bar, um, p- uh, piano bar. Where, like, I don't know if you've ever been there, but uh you'd like go in and like you can tip and then say, like, can you guys play this song? And they played like whatever song you want. And there's like a band they rotate. Hmm. And she was playing bass. And I was there with Johnny, and our friend Tom was in the band with her, and she was playing bass, and she was like struggling to play bass. And I'm like, why is this girl in the band? She can't even like play bass. And then she got to singing, and I was like, Oh my god. She was doing fucking Jesse J. Like it was the easiest thing ever. And I was like, This girl's voice. So then I was like, dude, we got to work with her. And then we ended up doing a, we did a weekend ride cover. We did downtown like Macklemore cover and she sang it and we made like a goofy skit of it. And then she moved to LA before us a year before us. And then when I moved here, we started working together a bunch. So we have like 12 songs together that, and the what if song was on Songland was originally she wanted me to just sing. And I was like, well, I'm not singing alone. Like we got to make it a duet. And it was like two years ago and i hadn't really sang on anything and she's like yeah i think it's time for you to get back to the artist stuff and that song is kind of about my situation (laughs) and then it was like fast forward she was like in this whole process with songland it was just like they're gonna they want what if and i was like what the fuck and just started like freaking out and then i think the best thing that happened is that It didn't get picked because the song fitting it didn't make sense to me i don't know why they chose that song because we didn't have a say in in what they would pick but um it was cool because it gave her the platform and she she it was like the best thing that has ever happened to her she said like she called me the next day and was just like over the moon she's like i i have to go I'm i'm like too excited i just you know and then like when the episode came out she was so excited Corey's so fucking talented but uh I think the best thing that happened was that it didn't get through because then we were able to, like, I was able to, like, produce it out, finish it, and then um, release it as a solo artist rather than some of these ones that come out at, like, SIS Songland attached to it. We got to, like, not have to do that, which Mm -hmm. was really cool.
0: And going back to the business aspect of, like, you know how, like, Spotify numbers mean everything just in general, but, like, singles is the new way to go. Like, releasing full-length albums is really not a thing. That's a good thing in the
1: past, now. Going back again, though. It's so weird, dude. I've been struggling with this. Actually, I think it depends on the artist. True. Because for me, it's always been like... We'll take somebody popular like Billie Eilish or like Harry Styles. Their fans want an album. They want a body of work. I think the passers of like... Some other big artists that can live off singles and it's cool. You know, they put a single and it goes on radio, whatever it is. But I've always been, I mean, you and I are come from the background of like, we needed an album. Like I want to like listen to protest the heroes. Cause I, you know, like, oh
0: my god, stop, I hear, man.
1: you know what I mean? Like a concept album, like even with Coheed or, you know, like even more recent, like 21 pilots, like going through and like, Oh, there's a theme to this. Like, Oh cool. Like, Oh, what does that mean? Like, there's something so fucking cool that's like oh who's blurry face oh that's his alter ego it's 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 this thing that he's struggling with like to me makes it so much more interesting because then a fan is going to show their friend and go it's what i did like uh i don't know if you ever got into armor for sleep
0: yeah i love that
1: band absolutely yeah Uh, what's it do when you're dead album Uh, yes yes the name of the album it's god it's been forever but i remember showing so many people and being like he's dead in this whole album like the concept is like he's just a ghost and like going through and like that's obviously influenced some songs that i've written later but i'm like i want to do something like that i want to have a theme if i'm ever going to do an album yeah i want it to be a theme ep i want it to be too so i'm like i've been struggling with the thing of like i already have songs out some of these i want to be on the ep can i put them in some sort of theme or like at least sonically feel the same and then i've been dancing around like well maybe i will do an acoustic ep for those songs that are already out and then i start to do an album that feels like this is all one body of work and put it out i miss that shit and i think it's worth doing and i think for bands especially like you have to like you can do singles push the singles but i think with push four singles and then put out a six song EP
0: mm-hmm. and make a concept of it kind of like give it some kind of demeaning to or um, deme- demeanor to it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just
1: like, I don't know. I think it's, there's just, <laughs> I'm just like seeing all the smoke and mirrors in the industry more than ever. Mm. And that this idea, right. That we have of go to a major label and like everything will work out. If you get signed, that's it. And I've had friends, I have and had had friends that work for these labels. And they go, like, and a lot of them do know what they're doing. But there are a lot that it's so much luck that it's a no-brainer. Billy Eilish was already blowing up on SoundCloud. Yeah, let's do it. Because the talent was there. Mm-hmm. There's other artists that are, they get signed and they have a vision and all this stuff. And the label's like, well, it didn't work. It's like, well, you didn't give it time. It's like, well, we need it right now. We're trying to do singles. And they're like, you're trying to choose it with an artist that has a vision. And you're not going with the vision. You're fighting it and going, well, this worked with Khalid. So we should do the same thing. It's like, he's not Khalid. So what do you want to do? And I don't know. So I'm, I'm realizing more and more it's like a wake up call. They're like so many artists are like, I got to do, I got to play by the label's rules because I want to be signed by them. But at the end of the day, that, they're a bank. All they're going to do is give you money, and you owe it back with interest. With interest, so that's,
0: like, exactly that's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. Like you marketing b- promotion, in a sense too. You can add that into the mix of everything. But
1: right, and 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 a perfect example of I will say here's the flip side of it is I met Sam Fisher through Corey, and we sat at a coffee shop. It's my favorite coffee shop, Republic of Pie, and we're sitting down there. I actually the coffee shop Johnny quit as well, but it's still my favorite coffee shop. And we sat down there, and I sit down with Sam, and this was like two years ago. And she's like, "This is my friend Sam," and I didn't know him as an artist at the time. He's really fucking hilarious, dude. Super nice, like got along right away. I'm like, "Dude, we should hang out." And he was he was dealing with the frustration of like he's like I don't he's like I've I don't know how many I have, I don't even have ten thousand followers on Instagram, and I'm signed to RCA. It's like what, and it's like I don't think they're gonna pay attention until something's happening. Fast forward two years, and his song blows up on TikTok. The city, and it's like the infrastructure was there for him to succeed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so there's two sides of it. If you can find a label that is willing to be patient with you, you have to be patient with them. But if you're going to a label that you want instant success, there's going to be instant failure if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. Even when you're sides.
0: even when you're starting up from scratch, so like say like you release like you record an EP with a well app producer. Um, you take it to a label and you give them this whole like spiel of we work with this, we can do this, we can market this, here's the plan, blah, blah, blah. blah. And you know, they agree to it and then they release it and then it's like, what's happening? And then maybe you're buying followers to impress said people. Like it's, it's interesting.
1: It's interesting. I think that's like my whole thought was it like, I don't care to be signed. It would be nice to have like some sort of distributor to be teamed up with. And my goal has always been to, like, be able to create my own imprint. So if, like, that's me having to work with some sort of label to build a relationship, like, I'm willing to do that. But I would love to have some sort of imprint where I can take artists and help them develop and figure out their sound and stuff. Like, that's been my goal forever. Mm -hmm. Now trying to figure out, okay, like, let me figure out my artist thing. Let's do that (laughs) before you start biting off more than you can chew. But yeah, to like, I think it's, if you can set up that, well, this is what I am. I know who I am. I know what I want to do. Those are the artists that are always succeeding. It's, that's what John Bellion did. Mm -hmm. He went to the label and was like, who's going to give me the most money. You're a bank. I'm selling out these places on my own independent. I have, I wrote monster with Eminem and Rihanna. What are you going to do for me? And it's like, that should be the mindset. And it's, It's a hustle and it's hard and there's a lot of luck involved. And but the more you put yourself out there, the more opportunities for the luck and for something to strike and to work out. So that's what inspires me to like keep trying to go for it. So that when you get to a point where what he did was like, I'm gonna put out three albums for free. And had to tell Capital like, I'm putting three albums out for free because I need to win my fans over a little bit more. And then we'll put out something and then we'll push to radio and stuff. And he had like one radio song. And he's selling out Electric Factory. I always use that as a reference because George is from Philly, but it's like a 3500 cap room. That's fucking crazy.
0: It is crazy. And like it is, and shoulder to shoulder, there's a balcony upstairs too, and everything. So it just like completely feels like an intimate show when you know the room is packed completely. Now? Uh oh my god, I hate it. It's disgusting. Oh um The Franklin Music Hall.
1: Franklin Music Hall.
0: Yeah, it's a little, it's a little. Um, tacky, but I, the only addition that I've seen recently that did actually it sounds great in there. I think they did a little. I think they re-upped their sound system, but they they brought in these like origami-looking like LED balls that hang from the ceiling. I'm like, really? That's this is the only addition you put into the venue. Like, this doesn't change the venue. It's done. <laughs> yeah, it's done. Done. Take the sign off. Let's wash our hands. Let's put up some origami light balls, and that's it. We'll call it a day.
1: We can do EDM,
0: basically. <laughs> <laughs> or hardcore shows where they go viral because there's a Running Man meme. Um, uh, I don't know if you – I'm referencing to a um, uh, uh, hardcore uh, gentleman on my show that I recently had, James uh, Plaguey. Uh, they played a show at the Electric Factory, which was an incredible hardcore fest or whatever, hard, hard, uh, hardcore fest. And uh, and he, there's, there's an act if – if you just Google or YouTube Harms Man and Running Meme, they just overdub like, different songs to him. Just- I saw
1: that, but I didn't know who the band was. Yeah,
0: they're called Harms Way. They're incredible incredible dude if anybody's in the hospital he's like, wait i'm sorry
1: I was from philly when that happened
0: that was in philly yeah that was in the electric factory i was like no way dude i was like i know these guys it was it was incredible um god i gotta come out to California to see you because i know you and john are right, john Howard are right around the corner too so i mean it's more of an excuse to come out to california right now
1: that's that's how small la is and it's like i was thinking about that too how wild it is that John did the Lyric video for 25 minutes by the Weekend Riot. And he was based in the UK. Like, and then it, fast forward. then and I got you in touch with him for Poeta? Correct. I said, do you have any content creators that you can, uh, that you know of? And you're
0: like, yep, got a guy right here to call John. He Yep. So.
1: And then you're in touch with John. He's in England. Then he moves to LA working for Equal Vision or Fearless? Fearless, yeah. Fearless. And I remember you saying like you should link up with John sometime whatever. And then he I see him I'm in my car I look over he's got a mask on and he's looking at me I'm like that looks like a band dude do I know him? And then drive off and he messages me. Dude, are you in LA whatever? I'm like y-, and then it turns out he lives in my old apartment. I'm like what the fuck? Are the, like LA's so small. Jesus Christ. That's so cool. But it won't be a hard it won't be hard finding you when I get out there. You know
0: what I mean? Like I don't know. But um I think we've gone on for, like, two hours, which is incredible, dude. I knew this was going to be, like, the longest conversation that we had. At an hour 40, which is pretty tight.
1: Hour 40 with some technical difficulties. Some
0: technical difficulties. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. And when I do re-upload this to all streaming platforms, there's not going to be any editing issue. Or there's not going to be any issues. I'll edit all that stuff out and try to to make the best of what it is. Um, Which will go up (laughs) on Friday um, at 3 p.m. This Friday. I think it's, like, June. What's today? Today's May 30th, so June 1st. So June
1: seventh, June 6th, no June. So 6th. It's like a podcast. Please keep going. It is,
0: a- <laughs> it is a podcast. It's not. It's a live stream podcast. Bruce and I have known each other for years, and we cannot stop keeping in touch. We can keep going for a little bit more, just a little bit more, because I know, I know that we both like have other things to do as well. Um, so yeah. So with that, it's, it's such a small world. I've never been to California personally, so I'm just gonna actually, yeah, dude. I know. I know. And John, he's from the UK, and he told me a story that he's been to every state in the United States. And I was like, dude, I live here and I haven't been to every state. And the story behind that is that he went into – they did the uh, Guinness Book of World Record challenge where they try to be in every state within the country within a certain period of time. And I think they did it in, like a hot air balloon or something, and like they got the world record. What? Yeah, that's literally like his story. If you want to go back, I think it's episode seven. Look at John Howe the Limelight Podcast. Dude, I was like, no way, man. Like, you literally, like, (laughs) you just got a hot air balloon, which I'm afraid of heights. I'm like, I'm not fucking going
1: on a hot air balloon. Do you have that as just a clip? I'll clip
0: it. I'll clip
1: it. Dude, put that on your channel.
0: Yeah. I was like, what, dude? I was like, this is so funny. Like, you're from the UK, and you've been to every state. I've been stuck in Pennsylvania. I've only been The furthest I've been out to was Colorado. Like, that's it.
1: Yeah, I was like 13. That's so interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, like, I was really lucky because – with Victory in Numbers, we toured in... When was that? 09? Oh, and I had, like, toured in some, like, other bands and stuff, but that was the first one where we were, like, starting tours in Seattle. And it was, like, holy shit, this is going to suck. <laughs> so, like, let's drive four days there in a van and trailer with no air conditioning. But, oh, the yeah. Good old
0: days. Jesus Christ. When, like, being in the band was all about touring and just playing shows.
1: We were signed, and it meant nothing, dude. It was, like, we might as well have not been signed. Like, there was no money... They didn't help us with tour support. It was like, we got uh, tour badges. Who were you guys talking to again? Bullet Tooth. Well, Trust Kill.
0: Okay.
1: It was, switched to Bullet Tooth. And it was so dumb. At the time, it was like our singer, Nick Passio, who's super fucking talented. Uh, he's doing a lot of like um, EDM music now. Mm. It's like so cool like watch the people like not give up and they just keep figuring their way out. But uh, he goes by Nick Paz, P-A-Z-Z. But uh, he um, he had a wife and kids. So he was like, I mean, I need to like know that there's like a label or some sort of infrastructure that's going to help this. And unfortunately, that label wasn't the right one. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Some labels don't really put out a lot. I mean, we're, th- we're, th- we're very thankful for what we have because he, he he does a lot of marketing for us. But yeah, it's, like you said, some labels, they don't just put out. They, they kind of like talk it up and butter you up and then you see nothing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it was, like, the the frustrating part was we break up and, well, like, he had quit and then we broke up a few months later and it was, like, bad, like, bad blood. Um, three of us had a horrible thing with one of the guys and he had been stealing and, like, this whole, it was, like, it was a horrible end and the label, are, uh, we got hit up by Fuel by Ramen after we broke up emailing like hey love the music like what has been working and it's like oh my god talk about patience like you know maybe if we could have been patient then it was like it was too late to even and then you know like I've stayed in touch with the guy and we've, we've been talking since and he ended up being he was working with Ace Enders and so it was like whoa talk about full circle like three years later he's working with Ace so he's going to help us now like pitch stuff out and like he's amazing his name's Johnny Minardi Johnny Minardi's the fucking shit I love that guy um super inspiring too but um it's just wild that the way things go sometimes and it's like it, but that was like a wake-up call to me would be like if it's not right it's not right mm-hmm. like, we could sit here and try to put this band back together just a sign to sign a feel by and then then what we fall apart because we hate each other you know it was like this makes no sense
0: no you'll be miserable and some of those bands actually they, you know do that i mean you'll like, you'll like you'll never see david gilmore or roger waters from uh pink Floyd. Ever get back together and play a stage live? You know what I mean. Like it's either you're gonna see the dark side of the moon, or you're gonna see the wall live. You'll never see those musicians ever be together again. And they, I think, they're still, you know, have a <laughs> like a vendetta for each other or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I do that that album too because I didn't really have anything to do with Victory in Numbers album. I was only on one song. Like it was done when I joined the band. Mm. It's Morning Love by Victory in Numbers. That album's so fucking good, and Nick wrote like ninety nine percent of it, and it's like, it still holds up now. And I'm like, holy shit! And it was it was uh, tracked by um, Scott Stallone, and it was mixed by Dan Corniff. And I don't know if you know Dan, but he did like he mixed Riot by Paramore, and like all these like huge albums, like a bunch of uh, Breaking Benjamin stuff, and like, it's fucking crazy that I'm like, man, that was definitely not ahead of its time. It was like the perfect timing for it. But I was like, why didn't that happen? Like, yeah. That
0: there was something me. special with it. Dude, you like it was a bop, man. Like and you guys got on Warp Tour, um, I don't remember the year, and you were on for a good amount of time. I don't think the full tour, if I'm not mistaken, but that that album kicked ass and it got attention really quick. So it's it's you know, it just wasn't meant to be in a sense, but holy shit.
1: That was like the the tough lesson, and and I, I I felt I feel them. I don't want to say I feel bad, but like I think it was probably the most frustrating for Nick mm. because he had a he did like most of the songwriting, if not all, like with like a few contributions from the other guys, and to then hear like later like it was good enough that fueled by ramen was excited about it, who had Paramore and you know eventually Twenty One Pilots and stuff, and it's like, damn, like. Maybe if it was just like a little bit more patient or I don't know, but it's like, I I try so hard not to beat myself up over like what could have been and just focus on like, it just was like something would have went wrong. Like it happened for a reason. Yeah. Otherwise he's sad. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's I mean, like when Poe went on the hiatus, I mean, it was, it was very upsetting. And I think the one thing that really fucked me up was I, I, I tweeted, um our music our live music video that was overdubbed with heaven but um the actual track that you recorded but warped tour just retweeted it in general and like i i scrolled for like i want to say 15 20 minutes and i'm like i see all these professional bands on here and just like all they did was just retweet it and i was like fuck like what like we got like we were still writing but i was like we gotta really get back into this fucking groove because you know warp tour still supports us like and we were only on for 11 days 10 days playing as like the basically opener of warp tour almost every day so i mean you know like i started reaching out to other other um situations like i i I might be joining a band they're really good um we still have a lot of discussions to talk about but they're called tiny human they're at based out of philadelphia and they have this like tiny human how do i know that name they're an alternative rock band from philadelphia they're fantastic um I'm about to be like
1: one of my friends is in this band
0: uh richie the vocalist and then there's dustin miller that's in the band right now as well as pat sorero
1: maybe i'm thinking of tiny something else
0: tiny moving parts uh that band's pretty big um but yeah so i i might join them i mean it's just it's just one of those things that like i don't know I just kind of want to see how I feel about openly jamming with these dudes and going from there. It just, it all takes time. I'm just trying to give myself options for the future, just like this podcast. I don't know. I'm saying.
1: The thing, too, that I think is really important is that I'm figuring out is like I would go like 110% on one thing Mm. and then just throw everything else to the side. And I think it's so important to, you can give 100% in like four different places. Like there's ways of doing it. Cause like the truth is, the band is going to be like, we can only practice X amount of days. So cool. I'm gonna do that. And then when I'm not doing that, that days, these other four days, I'm gonna work on this. And then on my off time, I can be doing the podcast. It's like, you can do that. It doesn't mean you're not giving it the full percent of needs, but you're going to get, get yourself way less frustrated when other people aren't committing the hundred percent that you are. And it's like, that's, especially like, that's the one thing that I'm grateful for not being in a band. Is like you have to deal with a lot of different personalities and understand that like people are just the way they are and you have to just accept it and like there's got to be compromise but it's it's fucking a marriage with like four or five six people and it's it can be a nightmare.
0: Yeah, and I wish I started fucking doing vocals in the beginning of my music <laughs> career. Like, not really though, but like in a sense that. um uh, Bruce is laughing right now I, you know what it is honestly I think it's the Zoom so like if one of us talks like only um, like it's hard to talk at the same time that's why he keeps doing that but uh, what's it called I, that saying don't put all your eggs in one basket it holds true I was like wow this is ridiculous like I need to start getting at different outlets for certain projects because of the fact that like yeah I can do this podcast on the side like next week I have my weekend filled I have four guests two on Saturday and two on Sunday so I'm gonna be a little stressed yeah so we'll see Got coming on. So next Saturday, uh, we're gonna have um, Colin from Grayscale, uh, signed to Feelers Records. We're gonna have um, David from Covet, which is a um, they're they're fantastic. He's the bass player for Covet. They are an instrumental. Well, not only their their vocalist um, or the guitar player just started singing on uh, their newest record, and they are they were basically all instrumental. Now not. And then we also have. Uh, Mark, who's an A&R rep for Fearless Records, as well as um, Matt from A Will Away, which is a pretty cool underground band. He's a vocalist, so, so good, huh? Will Away is so good. They're extremely good. I strongly suggest anybody checking them out. I mean, they, they thats the alternative sound I would love to be in if I was in an alternative band. It's literally that band.
1: Like a, it's like that, and like, kind of like that transit type sound, or like, I—I I mean, like the stuff I can still go like back to and it feels really inspiring to me is like that and like balance and composure and like even like go back to like uh there was this band i don't know if you remember like lions mm-hmm. <laughs> jazz riffs but it was like rock i don't know it's it's so fucking cool but uh um so i worked for adobe radio for years so i always did the sound and always like recorded the live sessions there way, mm-hmm. so grayscale like all those bands would come through so that's fucking awesome. Like I love those guys. Philly native guy.
0: I uh, can't wait to talk about the Super Bowl on that podcast.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you believe in Superstition, by the way? Because you were at the LA game when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and Carson Wentz towards ACL. Do you do you do you hold your Philly native self to Superstition? Like, oh, if I wasn't there, he went towards ACL. You know what I mean?
1: Um, I don't know about Superstition. I was there, I was there with Cody from Set It Off, and he's like the biggest fucking Eagles fan. And when we, well, th- I think the thing that it didn't feel like a big deal in the moment. That's why I don't really like we watched him walk off. So we were like, "Oh, he's fine. He's just limping." And then he's like, "Dude, he's he's done." And uh, that's like when we got the new, like we saw it on his phone to be like, "Oh my god, like this is a big deal." Um, I don't know. I'm more of a, "Where's Big Ben?" You know, like, "Where's Where's Ben Franklin in the city?" Because, "Where's the World Series at?" You know, like yeah. he down and now we have one world series again what's up with that like (laughs) put him back up on the comcast tower that's where they put him you know what i mean and then chase highly can come back out and be like world fucking champs again
0: (laughs) he got close he was with the la dodgers for a hot minute. they went to the world series but couldn't come up they came up short a little bit that's crazy. But, uh, dude, I really appreciate you coming on, man. This was this was a good time. I missed the fuck out of you, man. Like, I, I hope to get myself into California very soon. Um, uh, if anybody's interested, we're going to have two podcasts live. So, if you can follow the Twitch account, you'll get notified when we go live for Colin from Grayscale, David from Covet. Please check them out. Matt from a Willoway and an AR representative from Fearless Records. Uh, this will go up on Friday at 3 p.m. Uh, on all streaming platforms, including like, Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube. Um, and dude, I, I, like I said, I miss you. I love you. I wish I can be there, but this pandemic is going to definitely put us, you know, and, and stick us in the ground for a little bit. So.
1: This is true, bro. Yeah. Please come out whenever you can. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm not whenever doing anybody- something.
0: Yeah. But I appreciate it, brother. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to sign off and I appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, you'll, you'll see this, this come out in a week if anybody's interested. So thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. it. God bless America, Bruce. Love you, bud. Love you, bud.